Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. We have another installment of Mason Connection today. I'm sure that you have noticed in a lot of our interviews the name Mason Academy mentioned. If you've been teaching grapeseed for a long time, you might also remember that some of the materials were named after Mason in the past. Mason Academy is a wonderful school in Sendai, Japan with two large campuses. They are a kindergarten during the day and then in the afternoon and evenings, elementary school students and even older students come for grapeseed lessons. Locally and even nationally, they are known for their high quality education and their beautiful campuses. Mason teachers are also very carefully chosen and are very dedicated individuals. In this new podcast series, we'll talk with different Mason staff members, sometimes teachers, sometimes management. There'll be practical teaching tips shared as well as inspiring stories. Through this series, you will certainly be able to feel what makes this place so special. On this podcast, we welcome Peter Harrison, a former teacher who has moved into a managerial role. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Hi, thanks, Adam. Great. So how long have you been at Mason and what is your current role? Uh, I'm now in my 11th year here at Mason. I started by teaching Friends Club, which is our after-school elementary school program. And I also taught some high school classes at that time, well, junior high school and high school, senior high school classes. Um, after a while, I got pushed up into management. I looked after the other staff here. And actually, for the last five years, I've been running our study abroad programs, which we run here at Mason. Can you go into a little bit of detail about what that study abroad program is? Sure. Well, during the day, we have our kindergarten classes. That's the main part of our business. And then in the evening, we have our elementary school classes and then junior high school and high school classes after that. Mm -hmm. So they are hour-long classes in the evening from 8 to 9 p.m. And for these junior high school and high school students, we offer a range of study abroad opportunities from shorter ones, like three weeks in Australia or three weeks traveling through Europe, up to a full year uh, program where we can take students to America or recently Canada, and they join uh, the public schools there or even the private schools in some cases, and they really develop their English to an almost completely fluent level. Wow. I can imagine that as being in charge of that program with so many different options, it must be really difficult for you to coordinate all of that. Uh, yeah, it can be stressful at times, but I get to lead the programs to Australia and Europe sometimes, which is, you know, once, it's, once the headaches are all sorted out, once the students are placed and the schools are ready to go, actually leading the trip itself is really fun. I get to go on a mini holiday sometimes. And also just seeing the kids uh, use their English that they've learned over the years and talk to the local kids and their teachers is, is really fun and really rewarding. Mm, I bet. But with this year, with COVID and all, what have you had to do instead? Yes, uh, it's been a very difficult year for us in our department. We have to, we've had to drop all of the programs, in fact, this year. Oof. So the students who had qualified didn't get to go abroad. Although the ones who were in the States at the start of the year did manage to complete their program and they came back in June, they had to go through quarantine once they got back to Japan, but they, they all got back safely and they enjoyed their time. Mm. It was difficult for them because the last two or three months, their schools in America also closed. But rather than seeing the negative side and feeling like they missed out, they all emphasized the, the positives of that. They were able to spend more time with their host families and get out into the community a bit more. And mm. so that was really, I was really happy to see the maturity there of the students. 
Yeah. Uh, it's really great that they were able to kind of stick it out and finish that program because that's going to be really meaningful for them as they kind of continue on with their not just English education, but as they keep maturing into adults. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, spending a year abroad in another culture is is really something at this age they can pick up a lot and it often affects them going forward. Some of them, I'm sure, will go on to universities in foreign countries too. We have a number of students who've gone through our programs end up going to the universities in especially the Western uh, states of America and then one or two in the UK and even in Germany, actually. Mm. Yeah, because I think kids get tired of hearing that question all the time of what do you want to be when you grow up? I think, at least personally for me, as almost as important of a question is where do you want to be when you grow up? And for these kids, this program just opens the door to so many possibilities that maybe their future originally was just, okay, I'm going to go to college in Japan, graduate and live in Japan the rest of my life. But maybe for these kids now, there's they can think about, okay, maybe I'll go to college in Europe and then I'll go live in America or Canada. Like there's so many choices now that they have because of this program. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in Japan, it, it often feels for students that they're railroaded into the, the standard course, but by giving them English from an early age, it really opens a lot of doors for them. And for the ones who are fortunate enough to travel abroad during their uh, student years, it can it can really open doors, especially the Europe trip, our Europe trip. There, a lot of kids just go on it for fun, but they end up finding something that totally changes their their life. Uh, especially the one who went to Germany, they had never even thought about it, but they they felt such a bond with the the host family they stayed with, and they enjoyed the country so much that they changed their plans and ended up going to university there. And I think they still live in Germany. Wow, super inspiring stuff. Those are always great to hear stories like that. So do you personally have your own favorite grapeseed material? Oh, I do. Um, well, at least I have one that I always, I always answer when asked this question. I love Six Little Ducks, which is in Unit 16, I think. Ooh, wow. Okay. So Unit 16 is your favorite as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's, it's the very first unit I taught. I still remember, even though this is 11 years ago now. Uh, my first grades here at Mason, I taught third grade and sixth grade. And then the third grade, their first unit was unit 16. So uh, I spent my first few weeks here at Mason learning unit 16. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, all of the songs are fantastic, especially on, on, this, on this unit. Mm -hmm. But Six Little Ducks really stuck with me because of the, the mix that was done in uh, Grape City. The yeah, I think... Uh... were fantastic. We talked about it a little bit on one of our previous podcasts about Unit 16 in, uh, specifically. And one of the comments made was that it almost sounds like a boys to men song, if you know that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. exactly it. I really love it. <laughs> Unfortunately, my class never got quite to that level of harmonies, but uh, in my mind, that's where I was aiming for. Well, yeah, I don't think any of us can really reach the, the levels that, <laughs> that are on the, some of the Grapeseed audio files, but we do our best. So getting into Mason a little bit here, decorating your classroom is just a really big deal there. And I remember walking around a lot of different classrooms, seeing just amazing displays set up. So can you talk a little bit about what your favorite design was on your board when you were teaching? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a big part of our classroom decoration here. Although art was never one of my strengths, um, <laughs> I tried to draw inspiration from the other teachers around here. And there are a lot of very talented artists here at Mason. Um, mm. I just tried to focus on changing it seasonally. I think that was my main 
plan at the start of the year. I would have, you know, flowers in spring and then an outside scene in summer and fall, autumn leaves and then winter activities here. And try to tie it into the, the programs that we run here at Mason because we were fortunate enough to send the kids on lots of different programs, even in elementary school age. And so it's easy to tie those themes, those trips into the decorations on the board. Ah, smart. Then it keeps it relevant and you have topical things to talk about. Exactly. And it's, it's something we can talk about in class too, or something that the kids can comment on and it drives more conversation, which is always the goal. Perfect. So how do you, pre- or how did you prepare to teach your own lessons? I tended to spend a bit too much time. I was, I worry a lot, so I tend to over-prepare. Mm. Um, it's, it's really about trying to find the goals for each piece and then how they all tie together into the greater theme. It's definitely better now. I think there's a lot more support material in the grape seed system. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to understand what the pieces are aiming for. So always trying to come back to that. It's not just remembering a song for the sake of the song or to have fun, but it's, it's all of the things, all of the pieces tied together across a strong theme. But um, I'm actually teaching a little bit at the moment now, although it's uh, older grades, the senior high school kids. Oh, wow. Okay. So for them, I, I usually spend a couple of hours sat down just going through the materials, what I, what I want to teach and how it ties together and trying to make it so it's not just one class at a time, but two or three classes connect together with, you know, so they're growing over, over time. It's not just come to school, spend the hour and then go home and forget about it. Yeah, especially with those high school students. Like if you're teaching the younger kids, they might kind of forget what happened yesterday at school. But if you have the older <laughs> kids are a bit more mature, they kind of remember what happened yesterday quite clearly. So you can kind of build off of your previous lessons when you have those older kids. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. It doesn't always go according to plan, of course, but uh, that's, that's what I try to bear in mind when I'm planning my classes. How do you help build that connection with your students, though, to help them stay motivated and participating in class? Uh, so I try to be, one thing I've tried to do, uh, especially here in Japan, is try to stay up with the pop culture, what the kids might be interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets away a bit from the curriculum, but one of the most important things I find when teaching, even before getting into the curriculum, is creating a connection with the students. If they, if they know that you care about them, then they're much more likely to be engaged in class. If you just go in looking at it as your job to teach the materials and then that's it, you're done, uh, the kids can tell that you're not, your heart is not really in it and then they won't pay attention and they won't learn a lot. So I tried to connect with the kids first and then, you know, if I can do that through pop culture, like what's on the news at the moment or what's on TV at the moment, what kids are interested in, it, it makes it much easier to start a conversation and then and make that connection with the kids. Definitely. Great point. Even if you're in unit one, for example, and you're doing the, the red song, do you like red singing it in class? And then outside of class, you see your student, they're wearing a certain character on their shoes. You can ask, do you like whatever that character name is? And boom, you're using that language automatically there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the great thing about Grapeseed is that it's all relevant English. So using it out of the classroom is even better than using it in the classroom, really because it connects to their real world, their real interests. And that's, that's when it's going to stick in their mind. Like mm. giving them the foundation in classes is important too, but then having them use it where it matters to them to communicate 
that's what's going to make it stick in their heart and that's what's going to make them enjoy learning and enjoy speaking English. Absolutely. 100% agree. I think you'd mentioned before that this is your 11th year at Mason. So what keeps you motivated there? Uh, the kids. I mean, that's that's the only answer. And just seeing them grow and learn English, especially, I mean, that's the the great thing about staying so long is that I've seen the kids really grow and change. I know that for a lot of teachers teaching abroad, they need to get back to their home countries eventually, or you know, they have long-term plans. But if you're only staying one or two years, it's I'm sure it's a bit frustrating not being able to see the kids grow very far in their English. Mm. But having been here 11 years, and actually I've been in Japan longer than that, getting to see the kids grow through elementary school, through middle school, graduating and coming back as adults to visit, that's where I can see you know, all these years of, of effort, the day-by-day day effort has, has had a real result in these kids. And especially for me now that I'm in the study abroad program, it's, it's even better because I can see them. I can choose kids I've taught before and then send them off to Australia or America and they come back fluent and that's just so rewarding. Yeah. When we had Patricia on a little bit ago, I think she mentioned that one of the motivating things was having the younger brothers and sisters and getting to teach them too, and feeling like she wants to teach the, the next kid in line, basically, to keep her motivated, to keep coming back and seeing their growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's difficult if, you, if you're just uh, here a short time. But yeah, seeing them grow up, and especially actually, I'm involved in our alumni association here at Mason as well. So oh, wow. once the kids graduate, even if they, they're out in the real world being adults, we have a couple of events throughout the year. We have a Christmas party and then we have a barbecue in the summer, amongst other things. And when they show up and they can talk to me about what they're doing in their lives, and not all of them are using English, of course. Some of them just go into normal jobs in Japan, but some of them do use English. And to see them have succeeded in their goals and then be able to use what we gave them. That's a real thrill. Absolutely. And also thank you for the setup for my next question here. You made it real easy for me. Uh, speaking of those holidays or events, activities throughout the, the school year, what's your favorite one at Mason? Uh, well, in Friends Club for our elementary school kids, we have so many throughout the year, or we usually do. This year, of course, it's been a bit tougher. Of course, yeah. But, um, yeah, in the spring we have day trips and then in the summer we have these uh, summer camps. We often take the kids on overnight trips to youth hostels or to other places. Mm-hmm. In the fall we have trips too. And actually we're coming up to Jamboree, which is like a, ho- a Halloween theme. So all of the kids come to campus dressed up as uh, their favorite characters or scary costumes or anything like that. And then we we have booths prepared for them. So they'll go around as a class and they have like a shooting booth with a BB gun. And then they have a little mini golf booth and then they have a hoopla booth and they win these prizes and then we celebrate their costumes. It's great fun. Ooh, yeah, I've seen lots of pictures of teachers dressed up too. So up through the years, what was your favorite costume for Jamboree? Uh, I usually go with a soccer player costume, I think. It's it's a little bit easier to move around in, but some of the teachers have great imagination and they come with all sorts of fantastic uh, things. When the teachers make their own costumes, that's the best. It's really uh, exciting for the kids. 
Perfect. So getting back into the classroom a little bit here, tell us about a student in your teaching experience who was a bit challenging and what did you do to help them be successful? Uh, I mean, there's, there's always been challenging kids, but I find it tends to be the challenging kids that end up being the most rewarding. It mm. can be difficult, but then seeing them succeed in the end is, is really even better than the, the kids who are naturally good. I remember uh, I had a fifth grade student. He was a boy who, he was very smart. He was good at English already, but he really wanted to be the center of attention all the time. And he was kind of a distraction in class. And it was, it was early in my teaching career. So I was really kind of struggling to balance that. Mm -hmm. In the end, what I did was I, I took him outside after class and talked to him one-on-one -on -one and explained that, you know, that he was being disruptive. And, I, I wanted to explain that I, I feel like I succeeded. I said, you know, I like you. I really think you're fun in class. It's great listening to you talk. You're doing well, but the other kids aren't getting a chance. And, you know, he was a bit sour about it, but he understood what I was saying. Mm. And from the next class, he came back with a much better attitude and he let other kids have their turn and listen to me when I want him to stop. And I feel like that really turned him around just having that personal chat where I, explained what I wanted and it's not that he's a bad kid he's a he's too good in a way but I just wanted him to balance his input in the class and by the end of the the school year he was he was one of my best kids in class he always behaved well and in fact that student ended up some years later when he was in high school he came to my study abroad program and he went to Canada for a year so he he really was a success story in the end wow that's great. I, I really love that piece of advice because even if you're teaching older students, like you had mentioned, this is for a fifth grader, or even if you're teaching younger students, if you need to have a talk with a kid, it's good to do it after class away from the other classmates because nobody likes to be called out in front of their classmates. So kind of having that private one-on-one -on -one time, if you have a younger kid, maybe you need a translator to translate into the student's home language. But if you have an older kid, like the fifth grader you were talking about, you can speak in English and get your point across. But pulling them aside and communicating that like after class is definitely the preferable way to go if you think that there's a deeper issue there. So great. Definitely yeah, listen, I, listen to Peter here, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I really think it's important not to shame the kids in front of the others because it really could have gone the other way. Mm, um, absolutely. But just giving him the chance to accept it on his own terms without being, in, you know, shamed in front of his peers, gave him the time to think about it and accept that maybe I was right. And maybe that was enough to push him to try harder to be more constructive in his, in his involvement in class. Mm. So tossing in one little extra question here, with Grapeseed being a curriculum centered on North American English, what have you done in your own lessons to kind of adjust to this? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one coming from England. <laughs> um, actually, before I came to Mason, I was in the ALT uh, here in Japan as well. Assistant and language even teacher, at that yeah. Time, even at that time, I was, I was conscious of my accent and most the most prominent uh, accent here in Japan is the American accent. So I'd already been kind of trying to temper my accent and make sure it's not too strong. But here at Mason, yes, almost all of the teachers are Americans. And so the kids are used to that accent. So I try to you know, soften my accent so that it's more similar to the Americans. I don't want to totally kill my personality. Of course. For the yeah. younger kids, you know, it's hard enough trying to learn a foreign language without having 
a very strong accent at the same time. So especially for elementary school kids, I think I would try to bring my accent closer to the average. And at Mason, I think we ask that of all the teachers, even for the Americans. If somebody has a particularly strong accent, we would ask them to bring it closer to neutral uh, just for the kids' benefit. Once we get into high school, I think that's when they benefit from hearing more accents because, of course, in the real world, you can't ask everybody to speak in a, a normal standard Midwest accent. So once they get into junior high school, high school, I'll speak more like I usually would do at home. And it helps uh, strengthen, round out their English education, perhaps. It's a tricky issue just because some teachers are pretty sensitive about it. But it's really, at the end of the day, it's not about the pride of the teacher. It's about the success of the student. So trying to do what you can to help your students be successful is the way to go. Yep, I absolutely agree with that. So let's get you out on this last question here. What advice do you have for other grapeseed teachers? Um, I kind of covered this earlier, but, you know, well, grapeseed is an amazing curriculum. Really, I love teaching it. It makes it so easy. The songs are fun. The stories are great. The art's fantastic. But before you get into teaching, you really must have a connection with your kids. You really must let the kids know that you care for them, that you're there for them, and try to know them all as individuals. It, you can have the best curriculum in the world, but if you don't have a connection with the kids, they're not really going to learn. So besides you studying up on pop culture, what's another tip on helping build that bond? Uh, it's really getting to know them as an individual. You know, when, whenever you're just asking questions in class, don't just ask questions for the sake of asking, but really care about the answer and try to remember as much as possible. Mm. So, you know, if the kids have siblings, they're asking after their siblings. If you meet their parents, remembering that. If you know something about them, you know, something that they like, bringing it up later and trying to remember all this. It is hard when you have a lot of kids, but remembering things about people, that, that shows that you care. Absolutely. Thank you. So much great stuff on this podcast. So thank you again so much for joining the podcast, Peter. Yep, no problem. It's been fun. All right, everyone, as always, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.